all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, host of Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking. Join the conversation every Tuesday at 11 as we dissect issues that are important to you and your family. That's Relatively Speaking, Tuesdays only on MPB Think Radio. Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Vaping is becoming a more and more popular trend, and this is particularly true for our teenagers and our young adults. We all know the dangers of cigarettes, and so today we're going to be talking about vaping, cigarettes, and all of the complications and um, problems that we see from these. As always, we would love to hear from you. So give us a call and share your comments and questions with us. You can always send us an email as well to kids at mpbonline.org. So if we haven't talked about this in a while, and so I wanted to bring it back up because I feel like it is such a hot topic. Um, Being a pediatrician, one of the things that we do for our teenagers well, really like preteens starting around age 11 or 12 um, and up through the teenage years, when we're doing our checkups, we always get the parents to step out of the room so that we can talk to the kids one-on-one. I always call it my my sex, drugs, and rock and roll talk, um, where we ask the awkward questions, you know, um, about, you know, promiscuous activities and things like that. So one of the things that always comes up, particularly in my middle school patients, is vaping. It is huge. Everybody, I mean, it is, it's everywhere. Um, And to me, just personally, from my experience, I see it more in middle school than high school. Um, Maybe not the sixth graders, but usually by seventh and eighth graders, pretty much every single one of my kids has said they've at least tried it, Um, which is just wild to me. (laughs) You know, I mean, here we are, we're thinking, okay, it's illegal to be able to get a vape. I think under until you're 18, but how are they getting these? Well, they have so much more access to things. You know, when when I was younger, vaping didn't exist, but cigarettes were everywhere, and everybody would use their fake IDs. Or you know, you always also knew people that could were older and would get them for the younger people and stuff too. But vaping now, there's just so much access, and kids can get on the internet. Um, you know, they still have the old ways of getting fake IDs and all the things that we used to do too but um but still I just feel like the access is just is much more uh, broad than it used to be so it it's everywhere kids are doing it I found some statistics and these are a little bit older um, from 2021 but from the CDC it says right now about at least 3.6 million youth report 
current e-cigarette use. So this is not just like, oh, I've tried it. This is like currently almost 4 million of our kids are using e-cigarettes, which is just insane. Um, one out of five, one out of every five high school students and one out of every 10 middle school students say that they are using them daily. Um, so that's like 20% of high school kids. That's pretty crazy. Um, and 10% of our middle school kids are using them every day. Uh, and then it also said at least, let's see, where did it say that? One out of every 35, yes, say that they have used it in the past 30 days. So anyway, all that to say is the numbers are outstanding to me. Um, and so I wanted to just make sure that we talked about that because I don't think our children understand. You know, we have done a really good job of, um, you know, getting out to the public the dangers of cigarette smoking. Um, People are still doing it. People are still trying it. Um, But I will say just from anecdotally looking at my patients and family and friends, it's not like you see cigarette smoking as much as you used to. You know, 20 years ago, it's completely different. But every, we need to we need to drink, bring back the drug PSAs from the Reagan administration. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what we need to do. Yeah, um, but yeah, see, so like you don't see. I feel like you just don't see it. We've done a really good job with cigarettes, but vaping. They're everywhere. I mean, you can't go anywhere without seeing somebody take a little hit of their vape. Um, I mean, inside places where you know, like you can't smoke inside anywhere anymore. But I mean, we went to a. Um, a theater to a comedy show a few week, uh, a few months ago in New Orleans, and I saw people like vaping inside the theater. <laughs> it's just crazy That's to me. So gross. Yeah, I mean because you know it doesn't create much smoke, and like a cigarette does, and then they take a quick little hit, put it back down, and anyway, it's just wild to me. Um, just just how rampant the use is. Yeah, and they've all got these different flavors, Doc, mm-hmm. like a fruity and bubble gum. And do you think like these real sweet flavors are what's attracting oh, for sure. younger users? Yeah, so that's the problem. They're very enticing um, because they do have the fun flavors and things like that. But I don't think people realize that most all of them contain nicotine. Um, and they actually contain a fair amount of nicotine in there, too. And so the problem is, and that's what I try to explain to my ch- my kids in, um, in their appointments, is that the nicotine is just like the nicotine that's in cigarettes. And it's just as addicting. And unfortunately, there are some evidence that if you start vaping earlier, you're more likely to start smoking cigarettes later on in life as well. So concerns me as a pediatrician and especially as an internal medicine doctor because as an internal medicine doctor we're taking care of all the problems from cigarettes you know once you hit your 40s 50s 60s 70s um, you know that's when we start seeing all the complications and problems when you're 12 and 13 14 years old you're not thinking about turn 60 one day um, and the complications and problems that can happen. Um, So I feel like it's our job as pediatricians, it's our job as parents, as grandparents, um, just as community members to hopefully get this word out to our kids and to try to prevent as much vaping as we can. So is it the same age to buy 19? Yeah, I think you have to be 18. Okay. I just didn't know if it was the same rules as cigarettes. Yeah, that what I looked at, it said 18. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Unless maybe they've changed it. No, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as far as I know, it's it's 18 to buy. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so you can have uh, 
if you've ever seen one, they're usually pretty tiny. They're not very big. Um, they look kind of like a like a jump drive. <laughs> That's what I think of it as, like an old little jump drive. Um, I mean, it can look like a key fob, that kind of thing. I still remember a couple of years ago, the Today Show did a thing on it because um, they talking about just how rampant it had gotten. And it was around the time this was pre-COVID, but it was around the time, if people remember back in 2019, where they had that surge of like all the lung illnesses that people were getting from from the vaping. Um, anyway, the Today Show did a thing where they had, they walked around a classroom in high school and tried to spot the the vapes. And like people couldn't see them because they're so easy to hide. They look like, you know, a normal, like I said, jump drive or a key fob or something like that. So it's really easy not to spot them. So you can trick a lot of people. Teenagers are really good at tricking adults too. Um, so they're very, you know, inconspicuous. They're not, they're hard to spot. Like you said, Lacey, they put the fun flavors in there. They make them more enticing that way. And then when you, I saw another thing on here that said when they talk to teenagers about why they were doing it, you know, they say it's because my friend does. And we know that, you know, teenagers are so heavily influenced by what their friends do. So if one does it, they're going to do it. They're going to at least try it. So if everybody in the car has a vape, you don't want to be the one kid in the car without a vape. Yeah. I mean, you know, (laughs) you know, peer pressure is so real in our teenagers. We've all been there. We know. Yeah. When I was in high school, we had to figure out how to hide whole cell phones. And, you know, (laughs) back when I was young, we had those big Blackberries, those like kick, whatever sidekicks, whatever big phones. Mm -hmm. So if we can figure out how to hide those big big cell phones. We can figure out how to hide a little bitty bit. Oh, for sure. (laughs) For sure. For sure. So we are talking today about cigarettes and vaping and some of the complications that you may have and talking about just how common it is in our kids. Um, So during the break, I looked it up and it is actually 21. And from what I can tell in Mississippi, they've actually changed the law. Um, no tobacco product or alternative nicotine product, which would be considered an e-cigarette until age 21. So I, that must be new because I did not know that. I didn't either. And I'm from Alabama, so anything anything that's not <laughs> state-specific, I probably do not know. Yeah. But good. You you kids don't need to be smoking nicotine. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, 20, and then that to me is even more disturbing now that I know that because I thought it was 18, and how are these 13- and 14-year-olds getting it? Right, right. Um, you know, it's just, that's just crazy to me. I did not realize that. So, ID your customers. If you, if you own a gas station and you're listening, ID your customers. Yeah. I mean, it has to be more online just because of the sure. online availability, yeah, I guess, sure. you know. So all you got to do is enter your birthday into a little, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's no way they really regulate it. Right. So. Right, right. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're talking about e-cigarettes, vaping. Like we mentioned before the break, and if you're just tuning in, I'll just read these statistics to you again. But about 3.6 million of the U.S. youths report current e-cigarette or vaping use. One in five high school students and one in 10 middle school students report using e-cigarettes every day. Um, so that is just kind of staggering statistics and part of what has prompted uh, this show. 
So, you know, we all know that, and I feel like it's kind of calmed down with a lot of the advertisings for e-cigarettes, but when they first came out, they really hit you hard, um, just like the cigarette companies used to do with, they spend tons of money on advertising, and they know how to target our teens. They also know how to target them, like we talked about, making them small, making them easy to hide, making them have the fun, fruity flavors, all of the things that happen. Um, that make it enticing for our kids. The problem is, like we mentioned, they all contain nicotine and fairly high levels of nicotine for what it is. Um, you know, so it's a little bit different, obviously, than a cigarette. Um, it is a liquid that is heated and it's aerosolized from the heat, and then essentially you inhale that aerosolized Um material. And so what happens is in that tiny little bit of liquid there is a high amount of nicotine. Not only does that cause problems for our kids who are actually inhaling it with the the vape and the e-cigarette, but think about if you are a parent out there and you have these and your little one gets these. And so we've had the poison control on here um, several times, and they have mentioned that before, that they have had an increased number of calls due to kids getting into the vape liquid of their parents and nicotine exposure. And some of them, they end up having to send to the ER for monitoring um, just because of the side effects of nicotine, depending on how much they have, um, how much they actually got, because it just is such a high concentration of the nicotine for such a small amount. So, you know, when we talk about teenagers, and we've had um, some psychiatrists on here before, and I don't know if y'all remember, but... um, I liked the way he described teenager brains. He said they're half-baked, so they're not fully, you know, they're not fully cooked. They're still developing, Um, especially our teenage boys. Uh, You know, their their decision-making, and teenage girls as well, but teenage boys in particular, uh, you know, their decision-making is... um, not the best. Uh, And that's no fault of their own. It's just because their brain and that frontal lobe has not fully developed. And that is involved in a lot of the higher decision makings and thinking through things. So that being said, our kids' brains are not fully developed. They're not going to make good decisions. And then here we are letting them have nicotine, which is one of the most highly addictive products out there. Um, And we're giving it to these developing brains. So the problem is, long term, they're going to have a very high risk for addiction um, to that nicotine as they get older. And like I mentioned, there are studies that show if you start smoking um, or vaping, excuse me, earlier you do have a higher risk for smoking as you get older so that's just one thing to think about and then when you think about all of the other problems that can come with it anytime you are ingesting any kind of anything inhaling anything into your lungs um, you know there's always the risk for potential damage I mean you think about when you go like I don't even know, like to somewhere um, like where a bonfire is or something and there all that smoke and you breathe in all that smoke and you get to cough in, you know, and it gets really irritated. Or sometimes if you're in like a place with a strong smell, like somewhere, um, oh, I always think about like when you put a bunch of chlorine in the pool and you get all that big whiff of chlorine and it always makes you cough. Um, you know, anytime you're inhaling anything into the lungs, it's doing a little bit of damage to there. It's irritating those airways. When I worked in the restaurant, 
restaurant business and we washed the uh, spicy food out of the dishes every mm-hmm. night, we would all call. Call exactly. Maybe we just had sensitive lungs. I don't know, but uh, that spice that spice always got us. Yeah, <laughs> yes, always. Yeah, it always makes you cough. So anytime you inhale anything, and so with these products, these e-cigarettes, you know, there's definitely some potential harmful substances that are in them. We've already talked a lot about the nicotine. Um, there's some ultra fine particles too that can be in there. Um, there's some also some volatile organic compounds, so that is also bad. And then um, there are also some potential carcinogenics in there, um, carcinogens. So a lot of these things can be in there. So there are some of the chemicals that it has is diethylene glycol, um, propylene glycol, all of these things that when they decompose, they decompose into formaldehyde and acetaldehyde, all of which can have um, are known carcinogens. So we don't know. I just don't think they've been around long enough. I think like 2014 was when they really got big and when they really started st- started studying them. So it's really only been 10 years. Um, so that's not enough time to truly see and track. You know, it's going to take more years and longitudinal studies to really see what damage um, that the vaping can do. But you have to think that just with what what products, you know, what what it contains, um, that there is a high risk, that there are there is going to be some lung injury, some potential lung damage and disease processes and cancers that can come from it. And then lastly, about the safety of them, um, they can explode. <laughs> I think we've had we've talked about this before. Um, I had a pulmonologist come in one time and we talked about the vaping lung injury. And I, I'm pretty sure I remember somebody calling in and telling us that they had one that like exploded in their pocket um, because it is, a, you know, we talked about there are these volatile compounds. And so if it, and you're heating them up, um, so it is really easy for them to get overheated, catch fire, explode. So not only do you have all the other risks we're talking about, um, you have the potential for them to explode as well. So um, if y'all have any thoughts on that, or maybe you've had some experiences with that, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you to hear about that. So not all, I I say this because I'm talking from a pediatrician standpoint. Um, And if you talk to some of our older adult pulmonologists, um, vaping is not technically an FDA-approved therapy to quit smoking cigarettes. However, it is actually... I mean, you know, when we're thinking about things, no, it's probably not as bad as cigarettes. So if you're listening to me and, I'm, you know, you're a smoker and you're sitting there thinking, well, I've been doing vaping so I can quit smoking cigarettes. If that's something that you need to do, that's okay. You know, I'm, I'm trying to think of this as more from like a primary prevention standpoint and from a pediatrician, um, you know, thinking about the health of our young kids and trying to never start smoking. Um, but if you're listening, you've been smoking for a long time and you've resorted order to vape to try to get you off cigarettes, you know, yes, it is a little bit better than cigarettes. And if that's something that you need to help you bridge off of it, that's totally understandable. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I mentioned earlier about how back in 2019, we had a lot of hospitalizations for lung-related injuries to the vaping. Um, And it kind of peaked they started collecting data in like August. It kind of peaked in September, October. And then by February of 2020, 
you know, the world changed. Um, and so many other things were affecting our lungs so that they kind of quit collecting a lot of data. But from August of 2019 to February of 2020, when they were really watching a lot of these potential lung injuries related to vape, um, they had recorded 2,807 hospitalizations due to vape lung injury um, to either cause uh damage to the lungs or death. So, and just to note that that vaping lung injury illness is a a diagnosis of exclusion. That's what we call it. So, that means that we have tested every other thing. We've tested for every infection, we've tested for, you know, all the different things that could potentially cause lung injury and we can't find another source the patient vapes, and so we assume that it's probably something to do with the vaping that caused that. So that's what we mean when we say diagnosis of exclusion. There is not a true way to test that, unfortunately. So that's, we usually just call that a diagnosis of exclusion because we've tested everything else, but we can't test for this, and so therefore. But all that to say is, you know, that's only uh, from August to February, that's what, a six-month time period, Um, and 2,800 hospitalizations for it. That's a pretty significant amount, so. So we've talked a lot about vaping and all the potential harms with it, in particular the nicotine and all the uh, problems that can come with inhaling anything into your lung. One last thing I want to mention before we move into cigarettes and talk about um, cigarettes and some of those statistics and complications is the other scary part about vaping is a lot of our children are using it to administer THC, which is marijuana. Um, So a lot of the products that you can find – that you can put in your vape, the liquid that you can put in your vape, actually can contain uh, THC. And THC is the active ingredient in marijuana. And so that's what's actually the, you know, you have like the CBD and all that stuff, which is the natural part, and it doesn't contain the THC. But the products with the THC, the THC is the part that actually gets you high. Um, So the fact that those products are out there and available um, for our children, who, again, we've already talked about, don't make the best decisions. Um, and then we're giving them the substance that has the nicotine in it. It's addicting. The kids already are, early, you know, early on getting addicted to it because if it, one in every five high school students is having to use it daily, um, that shows you that they are getting addicted to it. Um, and then, you know, they look for other options. You know, when, once they've been doing this for a while, they want to see what else is out there. Um, and then that may lead them down a path of discovering the, the THC products as well. And the vape is an easy way to deliver those. So, so then you add that component into it. And so, just like I said, from a pediatrician standpoint, from a parent standpoint, from a grandparent standpoint, you know, it's our job to hopefully talk these kids and explain to them the risk of it. You know, we've all been teenagers before. You can't, you can barely think about tomorrow when you're a teenager, much less think 20, 30 years down the road. So it's our job to really talk to them about it. I feel like a lot of parents do a good job about talking about cigarettes um, because, again, we have a lot of information about there, but people forget about these e-cigarettes. So just wanted to make sure that we talked about that today. All right, well, let's go on and take our next break, and then after the break, we can talk about um, the real cigarettes, the tobacco products, and the the smokeless tobacco products, the cigarettes, and all the different um, things that are out there. And those are more dangerous, but like I said, the vaping can lead to cigarette use, and so that's why it's so important to address both. 
This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. We are talking about vaping and smoking, and we're here to answer any questions that you may have, or maybe you have some experiences to share. We would love to hear from you. Um, so we do have a caller on the line. Hey, Manuel, what's going on this morning? Hey, Doctor. Uh, thank you so much for talking about this very important topic. Yes. You know, when I was, uh, yeah, when I was little, you know, I was like 12 years old, something like that. And uh, I was so fortunate that my mom, although she smoked, she discouraged me from smoking. But then again, I was attracted to it because my two eldest brothers smoked. All my friends smoked. Uh, school, you know, so attractive because everybody smoked. And then, of course, we have a store. We own a store We have, where I have access to all the cigarettes and menthol and all that. So I tried one, and I didn't like it. I was throwing up, and then the following day, I was just so stinking. I, I said, I'm not going to smoke again. <laughs> but I, But my question is that why is it that uh, we cannot legislate you know, uh, these companies to put, you know, uh, spongy, whatever, distasteful, you know, thing in this, uh, in these cigarettes. And why is it that we allowed some of these companies to put menthol in them or candy on them or good smelling things where it attracts kids? Yeah, that's a great question. So you bring up a good point and one that I was going to mention that you know, if you talk to adults who smoke, nine out of every 10 start at a young age. They've all started before they were 18. So you're exactly right. Most of these people started when they were younger and they continue. So why why can't we change it so that we can hopefully prevent them from starting it young so that they don't continue as they get older. Um, I feel like we've come a long way, though, with control, you know, putting a lot more legislation on cigarettes, Um but I don't. I agree with you. I don't think there's enough. I wish there was more that we could do. And I know the pediatricians um, in the past, the AAP. That's one of the things that they have advocated for. Um, but you know, I think money talks <laughs> is all I, I can really say about that. But you know, I, I think that's part of the issue. Is just the the money. It's. I mean, the tobacco companies, the e-cigarette companies, they are worth a lot of money. Um, and it's so. Cool. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I was really, you know, I'm, you know, the parents right now are really, uh, you know, they, they're against uh, the wall as well. As was, you have a lot of advertisement. Good thing that they're not advertising anymore on NASCAR or these big mm-hmm. events, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it, it, yeah, but still, some of these uh, menthol cigarettes or even candy, uh, you know, non-smoke, uh, non-smoking, uh, non-smoke uh, cigarettes are just so attracted to the kids because they got flavor on them. Mm-hmm. And then once you're hooked to it, there's nothing, there's no going back. No, yeah, yeah, there's not, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Thank you, like, Yeah, thank you for your call. I, you know, I do wish there was so much more we could do, and I feel like they have, like I said, come a long way um, with making some new legislation for it. And, I mean, even just learning on the show today that it's actually 21, not 18 anymore to buy anything, tobacco or e-cigarettes. So, I mean, that's that's pretty that's news to me. So, I mean, I, th- I think they are trying. Um, it's just one of those hard things. It's it's hard to get 
like I said, money talks, and they are billion-dollar industries, so it, it's hard to fight against those things. So that being said, that's something that we can do. Um, you know, the, the AAP, the American Academy of Pediatrics, as pediatricians, were part of that organization, and they are constantly legislate, you know, advocating and up in the legislature um, for different things. The same thing for um, – for internal medicine and family medicine doctors as primary care doctors, uh, a lot of people are very involved in that, too, trying to get new legislation passed for things like that. So, And then as a community, you know, you can always come in, share your stories, share experiences that maybe your kid has had or somebody that you, a family member has had um, with this. It, it's always nice to hear personal stories, and it, it's hard to share those kind of things, but that's how things happen when you share. Um, so as a community, it's our our job too to stand up for for our kids so and we've got another caller max in oxford good morning max what's going on good morning doctor thank you for taking my call sure what's going on all right so uh i actually recently just graduated uh from the university of mississippi and uh you know of course kind of being the specific demographic for a lot of these um like vaping ads and that sort of stuff i had to deal a lot of my friends um, vaping and, and using um, e-cigarettes and all of that. And one of the things that I guess is kind of the new trend, so to speak, uh, is nicotine-free vapes. Um, so I was just kind of curious to see. I don't know a whole lot about it, obviously not being a vapor or a smoker myself. So um, I was just curious how, like, the carcinogenics compare, how the uh, health detriments compare compared to, like, a um, nicotine vape, for example. Yes. So I'm glad you brought that up because I saw a thing about that that said that they have done tests on it. And even the ones that market as zero, you know, containing no nicotine, they have been able to find and have some traces of nicotine in them. It didn't show say how much. So I would assume because like I was mentioning earlier, the the ones that do contain nicotine, it's a fair amount of nicotine in such a small little volume. So, you know, I guess they're able to track trace amounts of nicotine, even in the ones that say zero nicotine is what the studies have shown, but it didn't say exactly how much. But with regards to the carcinogen, uh, the carcinogens and things like that, I mean, again, it's anytime you're inhaling any kind of foreign substance into your lungs, you're putting your lungs at risk for injury. So um, yes, it doesn't contain the nicotine, so you kind of are losing, or as much nicotine, I guess I should say. Um, but so you're losing that addiction potential, but you're still inhaling something into your lungs. And so anytime you inhale something into your lungs, you're at risking damage to your lungs. Um, and then all the fine little particles that go along with that of the substance also can cause damage over time, too. So, so I mean, I still think, yes, the addiction potential is decreased. And like we talked about, the nicotine and tobacco is what kind of we see that transition from vaping to tobacco products because of the nicotine. So that aspect of it is gone, which is good. However, you still have the risk, in my opinion, of lung injury in the in the carcinogens just because of the inhaling of a foreign substance. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That's very interesting about the whole uh, marketing with still having trace nicotine everything. Mm -hmm. More you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for calling, Max. We appreciate it. And hotty toddy. I'm a big yeah, rebel myself. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, ma'am. All right. Thanks for calling. We appreciate it. Um, so let's talk about 
actual tobacco products because those those are the ones that have been around for a really long time, and um, we know that they cause a lot of potential harms and damages. And like our caller earlier mentioned, you know, you start smoking cigarettes at a young age, and that's what, you know, that's where the problems lie. And that, again, I'm going to get off my soapbox about the vaping, but the nicotine and the vaping leads to tobacco use, and the nicotine is so addictive to these, you know, underdeveloped brains, and it just creates this long-term addiction. And it is something that is so hard to fight. Um, three out of four of my grandparents were smokers, and um, I still remember my grandfather uh, telling us one time that, you know, if he could quit, he would because he would love to quit for us as his grandchildren. And he did not quit until he got diagnosed with lung cancer um, because it is just one of the hardest things to quit. It is it is a very hard habit to quit. Um, and the problem is, if you talk, like I mentioned earlier, if you talk to smokers, adult smokers, nine out of 10 of them are going to tell you they had their first cigarette before age 18. Um, and so when you think about that, like it just, it starts young. And so we as parents, grandparents, pediatricians, again, we have to intervene as early as possible. So um, each day in the, U- in the U.S., about 1,600 youth smoke their first cigarette. So that's every day a kid is out there smoking a cigarette. So it is still happening. Um, and then I saw this other statistic, too, that I wanted to share. I wrote it down, um, that if cigarette, you know, I feel like we've come a long way with cigarette smoking, but people are still smoking. And so it said, if cigarette smoking continues at the current rate among youth in the country right now, 5.6 million of today's American youth, younger than 18, that that whole population, are going to die earlier from a smoking-related illness. So, um, again, it's hard to tell teenagers the problems that they will have in 20, 30 years. So we just have to continue to remind them. But as we know, we know it causes lung cancer. Everybody knows that. Um, We know it increases your risk for heart disease and strokes. Um, We've talked a lot on here about high blood pressure and diabetes and the damage that it can cause to your vessels. Smoking does the exact same thing. It weakens those vessels. It makes them at higher risk for developing plaque, um, for for rupturing and bleeds in your brain from strokes. So it can cause heart disease and strokes. Um, We think, like I mentioned, the lung cancer, everybody thinks about that, but there's a lot of other cancers too. So head and neck cancers, so a lot of mouth cancers, throat cancers, um, very high risk for those. Stomach cancers, bladder cancers, um, all very high risk for, for those kind of cancers. And then COPD, which I was going to try to talk about if we have a little bit of time, too. Um, But we know COPD is the emphysema is another term that a lot of people think of or chronic bronchitis. Um, Those are all terms that we can associate with with COPD. But that happens from damage to the lungs from cigarettes um, and tobacco products over time. So, and then when you, we, we know all the damage that directly smoking can do, but then when we think about all the secondhand smoke, um, so the statistics show that secondhand smoke can cause about 3,000 deaths from lung cancer and 10,000 deaths from heart disease to non-smoking adults. Um, so secondhand smoke is just as dangerous. Um, with secondhand smoke, not even directly inhaling it, but secondhand smoke contains about 4,000 different chemicals. Um, so, I mean, that's crazy. And then there's even third-hand smoke is what they call it. And so that's like traces of the smoke on other products. So, um, 
like from where you were standing, like on the counter, still on your clothes, or maybe on the curtains that were in the room where you smoked. So there's like all kinds of exposures that you can have. Um, and everybody always says, oh, well, I smoke outside or, you know, I, I don't smoke around the kids. Well, you can still track tobacco smoke in decent high quality quantities up to 20 feet away. Um, so, I mean, that's that's a pretty good distance um, that you can still, even though you're saying you're smoking away from the kids, uh, you can still track it in a lot of different, I mean, in a, in a pretty far away all right, we've got another caller, Dan. Good morning, Dan. What's going on? Uh, good morning, Dr. McLeod. I'm, I'm listening to this, and uh, tobacco is the, the bane of our existence, I do believe, uh, in so many forms. But, um, you know, we mentioned the the vaping. You mentioned the, you know, the cigarette smoke, and I know you're about to get to the uh, tobacco products, the chewable and stuff and that kind of stuff, and that's kind of what I wanted to that most people are well aware of, you know, the effects of smoking and the effects of uh, the vaping, but, you know, it seems so innocuous to be uh, taking a little dip here and a little snuff here. And, and when I grew up um, and played, I played baseball all my life, and that kind of seemed like a, a, a rite of passage or um, a lot of these kids that, that worked out in the farm and that kind of stuff, they were always having their little tin in their pocket or, you know, their pouch that they would stop and, and, and use. <clears throat> and um, at the time, you know, it really didn't seem to be anything more than that, that rite of passage where people felt like, okay, this is what the, the big leaguers do. This is this is what, you know, the, the grown-ups do. And I'm not smoking, and I'm not, you know, I'm not doing those bad things. But <clears throat> now, having been educated and and um, at the university there and the dental school there, and learning so much about um, oral uh, cancers and the devastation that they cause, I just felt like people need to be totally aware that it is not as innocuous as it seems. And it is uh, extremely addictive. A lot of my patients would tell me, uh, well, I quit smoking and I started dipping. And it's I can't quit dipping. It was easier to quit smoking than it is to quit dipping. And I heard that um, almost um, 10 to 1. People would say, I, I just I, I can't quit dipping. And um, <clears throat> the cancers that... Are the the mouth cancers, the tongue cancers, the throat cancers, and the the things that that are byproducts of of the um, of the chew of chewing tobacco, and particularly the snuff, um, it, uh, uh, is a cancer that is uh, a very aggressive cancer uh, that, that drains uh, immediately into the lymphatic system um, because it's right there and. Um, and that's the thing about those products. They are delivered through the, the, the oral membranes, which absorb so quickly. And that's, that's where they get their satisfaction from. But it's almost like uh, you're, you're playing Russian roulette because when you're doing this, it's going to get you at some point. Uh, you're going to know somebody who suffered it. And as the oral surgeons used to tell us all the time, yeah, it's a, it's a, a terribly, uh, disfiguring disease where we'll have to go in there and remove quite a bit of the, of the jaw and, and try and um, try and stop the, the progress of that. But 
that being said, you're still going to die because it's just such a difficult disease. And um, I just wanted to put that out there and let people know how dangerous it is. And the people that have suffered it, um, people like Tony Gwynn, who was a professional uh, baseball player, he always had a big chew. And he um, he contracted uh, an oral cancer, and he made his last days um, uh, speaking out to children and telling them, please never pick this up. Uh, you know, it's not it's not what big leaders need to do. Yeah, yeah, it is. I always tell people that. Um, Cancer, I mean, you know, smoking cigarettes causes problems and damage in your lungs, but tobacco, smokeless tobacco, like you're talking about, causes damage in your mouth. So, you know, just like you can get cancer in your lungs from smoking cigarettes and you can get cancer in your mouth from chewing tobacco. And you're exactly right. It is a very, it's a terrible um, illness. And like you, you can get mouth and throat cancers from cigarette smoking as well, too, but also yeah. from smokeless tobacco. And, and it is, it can be a very difficult one to treat. And then when you think about the location of it and the surgery that you're having, a lot of these patients can't swallow um, because they're having to get parts of their esophagus taken out or parts of their mouth and tongue taken out. Um, and then so a lot of them end up with feeding tubes, at least temporarily. Um, sometimes they even have to have a breathing tube, like a tracheostomy, um, just because it has affected that as well. So it, it can be a very difficult cancer to go through. You're exactly right. So It is. It is. And it's like you say, it's, it's, it's just so, any cancer is, is bad, but whether you're doing radiation or chemotherapy or, uh, you know, radical uh, surgery to try and take care of it, as they say, it, it's your uphill battle you usually lose with you know without too much of a fight yeah. it's a bad bad cancer and people need to be aware of that and i love your show i just wanted to throw that out there because it seems to always be the stepchild of um, of these tobacco products yeah well thanks so much for your call we appreciate it um yeah i grew up in a small town and lots of country boys and that was they all did it um you know, so it, it is. And here in Mississippi, we are such a rural state um, and everywhere in the South. You know, I just feel like it is kind of a thing um, for the country boys to do. I don't know. I don't know where you grew up in Alabama. Were you? Morris, Alabama, yeah, North know. Jefferson County. So you best believe I know what dip is yeah. and, <laughs> and knew very young. Yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah, it is. It is one of those things that we see a lot of. And he's exactly right. It, it causes lots and lots and lots of problems, too. So it can do just as much damage. Um, not to mention, it's just, I, I, I don't know. I just will remember I, this one time when I was in high school again. Lots of the guys that went to high school with did it, and somebody had spit into a Dr. Pepper can. Um, and you know, it's the Dr. Pepper cans used to be a little bit darker, and then they have that like brown, you know, um, the little whatever the little thing is, you know, that says the Dr. Pepper in it. It's like brown, so it's dark, so you can't really see in there. Is the point of my story? Anyway, his friend thought it was an actual Dr. Pepper took a big old chug of it and <laughs> it had been his spit cup and he vomited at least four or five times immediately uh after the listeners can't see me slowly dying <laughs> right now oh it's terrible i still remember that it made me want to vomit just watching and thinking about that but but um, when i was growing up the uh 
the teenage boys they wanted to be tough by spitting their their dip everywhere and i was like man that is you you look like you just spit out a bug like so if you're listening listen to me young men (laughs) there's nothing cute about dip (laughs) (laughs) yes and it is it is also it has the nicotine as well so you know our young kids that are starting it um, as teenagers it is very addicting and that nicotine it's going to play a factor into their addiction as they get older so um secondhand smoke i wanted to go back over that real quick because we we know all the damage that cigarettes can do but secondhand smoke like i mentioned up to 20 feet away you can still detect it Four thousand different chemicals in secondhand smoke for our kids um and for your other family members but the secondhand smoke for infants we know that it increases the risk of SIDS Um, so if your little baby newborn is exposed to cigarette smoke it does increase the risk of SIDS Um, we know that it increases the risk of colds ear infections bronchitis pneumonia exposure in our little ones it increases your risk your child's risk of asthma Um, And then, as we mentioned earlier, it can increase their risk for cancer and heart disease as well, because we, what did I say earlier? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, 3,000 deaths from lung cancer in non-smokers just from secondhand smoke each year. So, um, so we know that it can increase that risk. If you are a smoker and you're out here listening or maybe you're a vapor and you've been listening to this show um, there are options out there for you and a lot of them are free and I don't think people know that so I wanted to make sure that we address that before we ran out of time so there is the national quit hotline um, which is 1-800-QUIT-NOW anybody can call that number Um, they will give you the nicotine patches um, lozenges gums all of that stuff you can get for free through that program They can also help you with prescriptions. If you wanted a prescription medication to help stop smoking, they have those available as well. Here locally in Jackson, over at the medical mall, there is a place called the Axe Center, um, and they do the exact same thing. So it's just more of like a local clinic that can help you. They provide, like I said, the um, patches, the lozenges, the gums. They also will help you with prescriptions too. Um, And the medical mall has a pharmacy, so you can do it all in one in one shop. And then the other thing that the Act Center does, and I, I don't know this about the Quit Hotline if it does it or not, but the Act Center follows up with you. So it's not like they just give you all these products and say, good luck. They, you know, they get you to come back at a frequent, you know, intervals so that they can check in on you. They make phone calls for you to check in and see how you're doing too. So I've had a lot of patients be very successful with that. Um, a lot of people like the gum and the lozenges because I think, you know, If you're smokeless tobacco or you're smoking a cigarette, a lot of it's that oral kind of stimulation. You know, the patches help some of that nicotine craving, but you also still need that kind of like oral stimulation that you're used to. And so that's when the gums and the lozenges can be very helpful, too. Now, you can get all these over the counter and pay for them, um, but... There are also options to help you get them for free. Um, we do have some medicines as well. Like I mentioned, um, Chantix is very successful. Um, a lot of people are afraid of Chantix because they, they worry you know, about side effects. And, and there are some people that get side effects, particularly the bad dreams. Um, but I have a lot of people who take Chantix and don't have any problems and are very successful with it. Um, and it is safe. Like cardiologists, people will come in with a heart attack and cardiologists will send them out on Chantix. So it's not like it's a, a scary medicine. It is a very very safe medicine. You can take it with all your heart medicines, your stroke medicines, everything like that. Well, Butrin is another option. It is an antidepressant, so you may have heard of that medicine, um, but it does a pretty good job at helping with some of those cravings. Now, not as good as Chantix, um, but Well, Butrin can be very helpful. 
The problem is that some of these can be a little more pricey, especially the Chantix. It's not very well covered by insurance. Um, but if you are listening and that's something that you're interested in, talk to your doctor about it because they can help you come up with some options for it. Um, and then again, that's called 1-800-QUIT-NOW and then the ACT Center, A-C-T Center, and it's at the Medical Mall. So if you have any questions or you can always send me an email and I can get back to you about that as well. Um, thanks, everybody, for the show and our callers. This has been Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, and it's funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from listeners like you. Lacey was our show engineer, and I think Charles was our call screener. Stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.